However, when the pastor preaches, when he's standing up there in the pulpit or in the office of the preacher, whatever we want to call it, he's not there representing himself. So a word of accusation that he's bold enough to say is not him saying, you know, guys, I'm really irritated with all the stuff you do. Mm. It's him, if he's doing his job right, saying... God speaks against this sin, and you are committing it. And he's an he's a an ambassador for God, and so it's not his accusation; it's God's accusation. In the same way, then, uh, when he preaches the comfort, it's not the preacher as such saying, "You, uh, uh, God has mercy on you," because I think He has mercy on you. Mm-hmm. I, I've decided God should have mercy on you. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ has shed his blood on the cross for all sins, and you happen to be one of the sinners he's died for, so you are forgiven. And so you have this opportunity not to proclaim your opinions, but simply to say, this is what God is saying to you right now. Hey, welcome to episode 144 of the Expositors Collective podcast. Uh, My name is Mike Neglia, and thank you so much for listening. Hey, listen, I hope you had a great uh, Christmas holiday, and as we're gearing up towards 2021, I I really, truly wish you all the best. I, I hope, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I hope this year is better than last year for you. Well, so this interview that you're about to hear, um, I got to sit down with uh, Pastor Bob Hiller from Community Lutheran Church in Escondido, California. I'll say this in a few minutes in the actual interview, but it's the first face-to-face interview that I've done in a long time. They've all been over uh, Zoom or FaceTime, and it's just been a real, it was a great pleasure to sit with somebody and to, to speak back and forth. There's no awkward Zoom pauses. So, I mean, any awkwardness that you hear is real. <laughs> it's not because of a Zoom uh, delay. So, I hope that you in- enjoy this. Uh, you can read more about uh, Pastor Bob in the, the bio. He's, yeah, heavily involved in 1517.org. He manages the content at something called The Craft of Preaching. Really encourage you to check out the links uh, because I think that the listeners to this podcast would also benefit from those videos and that website. Uh, We talk about that in the next few minutes of the interview anyway, but um, I do wanna really highlight that and point you towards that. And uh, I'm gonna chime in at the end uh, with just a a little bit of a tidbit and also with the preview for our next episode as well. So I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective Podcast helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm with Pastor Bob Hiller. Yes. Reverend? Pastor. Pastor. Holiness. His holiness. Pastor Bob <laughs> Hiller. Um, I'm excited because this is my first in-person interview that I've done in a long, long time. So um, thank you for- I'm very excited to be a part of it. Having me in your office. This yeah. is great. Uh, we're, it's December. Mm-hmm. We had some awkward uh, wearing a mask- I'm going to keep mine on and right. who flinches first and who takes <laughs> off who takes off the mask but we're cross contaminated no matter what. Uh, I'm glad to be here. 
Um, so, uh, Bob, this is a lovely church office. Why don't you tell us about the church that you're a part of? All right. So I'm the pastor of Community Lutheran Church in Escondido and in San Marcos, California. We're a, uh, a Lutheran church in what's called the Missouri Synod. Synod is a fun word, mm-hmm. which means walking together. Uh, we're just an organization of churches in the Lutheran church ilk. Um, We have two campuses, one in Escondido, one in San Marcos. I have an associate pastor who I work alongside. We have a number of staff members um, doing multi-site ministry in a very strange and wonderful time to be doing ministry. Yeah, 2020 is is not boring, is it? No, no. Or easy. No, it's not easy. But we've really done, I've been very, uh, I've heard a lot of people say something to the effect of, Bad things during COVID have gotten worse and good things have gotten better. Mm. And I would I would say our church has really just bound together and been very strong. Our staff has worked incredibly well through this time. Yeah, um, yeah it's been a, it's been a fascinating year to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks thanks for thanks for allowing me to come in and bring this microphone and set it up. Thanks so, for being here. So yeah. you are the second Lutheran guests uh, on the show. <laughs> right. and, and I like you guys. You Lutherans are a lot of fun. You, you've let the Lutherans in the door. <laughs> now, this is, uh, this is nerve-wracking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Scott Keith was the first, uh-huh. and, and then that style opened up to, to you, and I can't wait to find out who's, who's the next Lutheran going to be. <laughs> All right. Very good. Depending on how, how this one goes. Yeah. Well, this, this might be your last Lutheran. You never know. You are involved in, yeah, 1517. Yep. Do you want to tell us a little little bit about 1517? Yeah, 1517 is this organization where we have uh, sort of organized to make sure we're getting the gospel out to those. Specifically, we're looking to help people who are kind of broken by the church. There's a number of people who have wonderful churches, and they have been incredibly blessed by the church. And there's a number of people who have been hurt by the church because the church has not really done its job for them in giving them the forgiveness of sins and, and giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, they've had legalistic experiences. They've been beat up. Uh, the Lord talks about uh, uh, not breaking a bruised reed or putting out, snuffing out a, a smoldering wick. Yeah. And we encounter a great number of people who are broken, uh, broken reeds and, and snuffed out wicks. Yeah. And so we exist to help people in that situation, to remind them of the, the love that the Lord Jesus Christ has for them, uh, while also endeavoring to do a lot of work with the exegetical, not exegetical, apologetic hmm. uh, work to help people get more grounded and firm in their faith. So, um, yeah, we got a number of projects going on. We've got, I think, 5,000 podcasts at this point. <laughs> I can't remember. I lose track of the number. We've got a lot of podcasts, yeah. whether you're looking for podcasts on uh, Old Testament, New Testament stuff. Um, we've got podcasts on theology, like the Thinking Fellows. Scott was on, is on the Thinking yeah. Fellows. He's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got really a wide variety if you check out 1517 dot uh, org and uh, you can also go to our iTunes page uh, we got a we got blogs we have books we've got everything uh, we've got videos one of the real great <laughs> I'm going to become a commercial last Lutheran you'll ever have uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wrestle the microphone <laughs> <laughs> we've got a great thing called the Academy they're free courses taught by uh, seminary and college professors on a variety of topics uh, one that might be a lot of fun for folks is uh, sort of the history of Christianity in America uh, with a guy named Dan Van Voorhees. Dan also does one of our podcasts, a five-minute podcast every morning on history and the church. Um, Just a lot of fun stuff. So check it out, 1517.org. And uh, the one I'm involved with is called Craft of Preaching, and it will finally get to my thing. Uh, And this is specifically for preachers uh, to help them 
prepare for their task on Sunday. Yeah, so I, I like it. I, I like the, the craft of preaching. And um, so there's like videos that are there, yep. um, kind of round table, you call them talking shop. Talking right? shop, yep. Um, talking through like the, is, what, what's the name of the lectionary that you guys are working We're part through? of what's called the uh, three-year lectionary. Okay. So three years based around uh, the synoptic gospels uh, with John sprinkled in throughout mm-hmm. um uh, and what you do is you get three assigned readings. Now, who assigns these things? I realized I don't have a good answer for that. Some great overlord of lectionary okay. design okay. Um, has put this thing together. And it's, it's cross-denominational. Um, but what we tend to do at our talking shop conversations is work through the gospel reading for yeah, the coming yeah. Sunday. Yeah, so I, I've been preaching through John for the past year. Okay. And so I, I often do check crafted preaching mm. because there are, from time to time, there's a, a John one. Yep. And uh, they rarely overlap with what I need <laughs> yeah, I <know. laughs> or what I want for I the week. But like, to, to maybe have an early diversion, um, so lectionary stuff. Mm-hmm. So that means that you, if, if you do it right, are you preaching the same message or the same passage as every other Lutheran? Yes. If, if everyone yeah. in the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate or not just every other Lutheran, but uh, anybody's doing the three-year series, so yeah. Methodists, Anglicans, uh, Presbyterians, I believe there's a number with the lectionary. Yeah. Uh, Roman Catholics, they'll, we'll all tend to go through the same thing. Uh, there's a great website called Text Week. Uh, I know, uh, yeah, I know. Excellent site. Incredible. And you can see every week they've got, I mean, they've got a boatload of resources, but every week they're referencing the three-year on the, the it usually features the three-year yes, series. Yes, so. there's a there's a back end to that website okay. where you can, it's not lectionary based, but it's text based. Okay. And okay. so I've I've pulled up the John section and it goes through it yeah, there. So really I'm, not, I'm not bound by your calendars, but I'm, <laughs> I am free to follow the word of God. You're free to follow the word. Very good. Very good. I uh, love it. Yeah. Text week is great. I, in fact, you're the first person to mention it in all of these things. So we'll definitely link that amongst, cool. amongst all the 1517 org no, um, links. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, text week is fantastic. It's, I think it's uh, an Anglican woman in Australia. Okay, I, okay. She's the one who compiles all of it. Jeez, that's amazing. Uh, I think she's got like a special needs son. So she's got like, you know, she's like caring for him. Yeah. And then in her free time, she just combs and finds all these like academic articles and links them together. Yeah. And it's really fantastic. Yeah, it's a great site. Great yeah, site. So uh, thank you to her. Excellent. Yep. Uh, oh, yes. Craft of Preaching. Yeah. So, oh, so Craft of Preaching then. So so what we have on the site is every week we have uh, three, and, and I am, in the Lutheran world, these names would be, uh, you, your listeners may know the names outside of Lutheran world, maybe not, uh, but we have three of these sort of great preachers, great um, exegetes of scripture who will talk to us about ways you want to work, work through the Old Testament reading for that Sunday, the mm-hmm. epistle and the gospel reading for that Sunday. Uh, then we always have uh, a featured article on preaching of some sort. So this week, uh, I don't know when you're going to air this, but this week we have one on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's preaching through Advent mm. uh, by uh, Professor John Pless, who's out of Concordia, Fort Wayne. And uh, his articles are always fantastic because he's he's able to resource you in, in, in all kinds of ways. He knows every book that's ever been written about everything. Uh, but this last week, he's got one on Bonhoeffer preaching through Advent, and it is, it's incredibly, it like Bonhoeffer and Advent is eerily relevant. Mm. I was mm. just reading one of his sermons where he's saying like, now technology's taking everything over, and the state's getting too powerful, and what are we going to do? And you go, oh, this doesn't, yeah. 2020 sounds like 1933 Germany. That's a nervous <laughs> comment to make. Uh, nonetheless, so how to preach in this context. So we have the text work done, yeah. but then sort of how to contextualize it to preach it in the context well. Um, along with then what you mentioned, the the, the, the talking shop conversations, which are uh, 
three or four pastors sitting around just having a conversation about how to preach, mm-hmm. uh, how, what to do with the text, what they're thinking about. Yeah. And it's great because you can hear their takes on the text. And for me, I, I watch this and I go, that's a great point. I can use that. Or I totally disagree, mm-hmm. but that's also going to send me off in another way to think about the yeah. text. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a conversation in, in the best possible way. Well, in the second best possible way, you can't actually respond to them. They're on sure. video. Yes. You're welcome. Your furious YouTube comments. <laughs> yeah, that's are, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so a great advantage for those of you that are using the lectionary is that it's, is it time to come out? Yes. It comes out the Sunday before. Wow. Everything is lined up. So you should get, we, we want it to be to the point where we're getting you two weeks in advance, hmm. but that is, uh, it's, it's a long conversation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the way that it sounds, hopefully people are working on the text a little bit in yep. advance. That hopefully that that video isn't the first time that they're looking at it. Correct. That's that correct. they've done their own work and they get to listen in on this conversation. Yes, exactly. Now, the other thing is we're at the point now that the lectionary is three years and we're coming up now soon, uh, almost on the three-year anniversary of the site. So okay. we'll, be, we'll ah. be having a backlog of, um, of resources there. Okay. Uh-huh that you can take a look at. Now, have you considered preaching through a book of the Bible? Yes, and this has actually been a big conversation that we've had from the beginning. We just don't know how to do it real well, uh, but we want to get some kind of expositional resources out. Um, have you heard of the Expositors Collective? No, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, this is, well, this is what's very exciting to me because I think there are few Lutherans who do expository preaching, um, but man, is it a gift when you can get somebody up front who can walk you through an entire text. Mm. And and see, I think there's two ways. There's an advantage to, uh, the advantages to having lectionary preaching and expository preaching is that in both of these situations, you're bound to the text. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to say what you want, right? Um, I think a lot of times, uh, if you're sort of, I've got to come up with a new series every se- three months or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah. this, you know, series are fine, and sometimes they're helpful and good and, and all of this. Yeah. Uh, but if you bind yourself to becoming a series maker, my concern, I think the danger of it is, is you end up preaching your own pet topics all the time. Yeah. Um, or you're bound to the news, or you're yeah. bound to the fears of the people. Um, whereas if you're preaching through First Corinthians, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about... Um, you know, uh, marriage, whether you like it or not, sure, right? Yeah. Whether you're preaching through a text, Jesus is going to talk about money, whether you like it or yeah, not, whether yeah. it's convenient that Sunday or not. Um, and I think that's a wonderful thing when the church is, is inconvenient in its hmm. preaching. Hmm. And, and, and I, I don't mean that pejoratively. I, I literally mean when you show up and you're like, well, I wasn't ready for that at all. I think that's kind of like Jesus. Hmm. Right? You're just not ready for yeah. it necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. And there's my my sermon. (laughs) And we're we're only just getting started. Mm. So it's called craft of preaching. Um, Why? Why do you call it a craft? We're big Harry Potter fans. Okay. Uh, And we sit around (laughs) and conjure things up. Uh, No, I think the guy who came up with the website, Paul Koch, who's just a, a brilliant sort of guy when it comes to preaching and thinking about these things. Uh, is a big fan of um, working with his hands, okay. uh, and and he talks a lot about how, as preachers, we have there's a lot of work that goes into a sermon. Mm-hmm. There's there's resources, there's tools, yeah. there's a, there's a particular type of uh, knowledge and wisdom that goes into it. Just like with, um, you know, mechanical work, uh, just like with building uh, anything, engineer yeah. work. Yeah, uh, there is a craft to it. Now, obviously. 
um, we're dealing with the Word of God here, yeah. so it's the Holy Spirit guiding the process. But it, it, the way we like to talk is that the Holy Spirit is really never working apart from His Word. So if you want the Holy Spirit to guide you with something, you should be working with the Word of God because that's where the Holy Spirit is primarily speaking. Um, and so the scriptures, then you dive into the scriptures, you learn the languages, uh, you learn the arguments Paul is making, you learn uh, the context of the day. There's a lot of tools you need as you prepare a sermon. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we come from with the idea of a craft. It's it's the development. We're, we're, God has given us an opportunity to create a sermon for people yeah. to hear. Yeah. And so we want to build something nice. Um, has, has anyone maybe thought of craft of preaching, kind of saying that it, the, the work is yours, that it's a, a skill you get better at? Right. And is there any objection to that? Sure, there's a lot. If you want to have, I think we were talking earlier, if you want to have a really uh, bad afternoon, go to the Craft of Preaching Facebook page and look at the responses to the title of our website. Okay. People get very angry and they say, oh, it's not a craft, it, it's an anointing. Mm. Now, that language is not, language I'm used to using, what do we mean by anointing or calling? Mm. Um, I think generally what people mean by that is you need to trust the Holy Spirit to give you the words and you shouldn't be crafting your own ideas. And I I would agree with that. Sure. Um, But the craft as we are talking about is digging into the scriptures where the Holy Spirit speaks. We're not talking about manipulation. Um, Great example, 1 Corinthians 1 through 3, you have St. Paul talking about how, oh, uh, uh, listen, when I showed up there... I didn't know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I didn't impress you with my great wisdom. I didn't show up and have this great oratory event. I just preached Christ and you believed. And I think people are saying, look, that's all preaching should be. And I agree. Hmm. However, it's always fun to read 1 Corinthians 1 through 3 and recognize what a rhetorically tight argument Paul makes right there. (laughs) How brilliant, uh, how many sort of... in the best possible sense of the word, secular resources he uses to make his argument. And so we're just saying that preaching does that. Preaching, uh, if you want it to stick, you need to speak to people in a particular way and learn how to do this. And sometimes uh, that's through digging through a text verse by verse. Sometimes it's by um, uh, having a different sort of structure to the sermon that yeah. impacts people in a yeah. different way. There's there's various options, I yeah. think, with this. I think there's a freedom we have with style and that sort of thing. Okay, Hmm. Maybe we'll come back to that yeah, later that's, on. Yeah, that's worth talking about. What, yeah. What, yeah, what are the freedoms that you think a preacher has and, and what they don't? Yes. On a side note, did I just touch your foot? Yeah, you did. That's right. <laughs> I got nervous, so now I'm sitting on my feet. <laughs> um, maybe we'll leave going that well. Maybe we will. <laughs> <laughs> We're at a table facing each other, and I, I touched something. <laughs> don't worry. I have, a, I have a mask on my foot. Okay. So... All right, on that. So, Bob, why don't you tell us about your first sermon that you preached then? So, there's a craft to it. You yeah. Kind of, you are implying that it is something that can be improved with, yeah. with time. Yeah. Often that means that a first one needs improvement. Yeah. Um, what was your first sermon like? Bad. Uh, my first sermon I preached before I was had any training in preaching. Uh, when I was uh, still in college, I had decided to go to seminary. And so my dad, who's a pastor, said, hey, why don't you preach? It was right after Christmas, I believe. And I know it was right after Christmas because I don't remember the text, but I remember using an illustration where I said, uh, the birth of Christ was a very earthly thing because you have, you know, uh, it's not a silent night, but you have uh, loud animals uh, in the stable or whatever. You have Mary giving birth to a child in, in, you know, without uh, without an epidural. Uh, And Joseph is just nervous outside smoking a cigarette and people laughed at that. So then I tried to use that again later on in another sermon and I got reproved. Uh, for saying Joseph smoked a cigarette, okay, because um, I don't. I think 
Maybe that's sinful. I don't know. Um, I've never used that illustration again. But okay, well, you use it twice. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I didn't get it to the second pulpit. I had an overseer who said, you can't say that. Okay. So that's, that's what it was. Uh, the other thing I remember about that sermon, two other things. I, I used an illustration about uh, free will, and we don't need to get into free will, but I said... We won't. Thank you. <laughs> I said, uh, we, we don't have free will before God as such, but but in the world, you have free will to make all kinds of decisions. You know, like, uh, uh, what kind of salsa are you going to have on your Chipotle burrito? Turns out there was a dude in the sanctuary that day who was a manager of Chipotle, and I got six free burritos for saying that, wow, and I learned, wow. man, this preaching thing could work. This is <laughs> this could pay. Uh and the other thing I remember is that I said, I kept saying, you, you, you. Mm-hmm. Um, and my director of Christian, Asian, Christian education, uh, my youth <clears throat> director, her name was Donna, and she said, you seem to accuse us way too much. You kept saying, you, 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 hmm. which is very curious to me. And I, I thought a lot about that over the years, uh, uh, that um, in a sense, that is the responsibility of the preacher is to say you mm-hmm. uh, for you, or yes. it's a sin that a pro, uh, that's there. Uh, you need to repent. Um, now, I was still in college. Sure, I was not really a pastor as such, yes. and so I was probably being a little aggressive. Okay, and that's fair. She was not wrong. However, when the pastor preaches, when he's standing up there in the pulpit or in the office of the preacher, whatever we want to yeah, call it. Yeah. He's not there representing himself. Okay. So a word of accusation that he's bold enough to say is not him saying, you know, guys, I'm really irritated with all the stuff you do. Mm. It's him, if he's doing his job right, saying, God speaks against this sin and you are committing it. Mm. And he's, an, he's a, an ambassador for God. And so it's not his accusation, it's God's accusation. In the same way, then, uh, when he preaches the comfort it's not the preacher as such saying, you, uh, uh, God has mercy on you because I think he has mercy on you. Mm-hmm. I, I've decided God should have mercy on you. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> has shed his blood on the cross for all sins, and you happen to be one of the sinners he's died for. So you are forgiven. And so you have this opportunity not to proclaim your opinions, yeah. but simply to say, this is what God is saying to you right now. Uh, by means of my preaching, yeah. Um, so uh, there's a there's an art to that, I think, and there's a style to it. But what we need to understand is that the preacher needs to have a boldness about him in which he says, "My job is is I'm just a go between, but I am the ambassador for God, and I'm telling you what He says." Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you're actually called to do is yeah. to speak in this. We, our language is in the stead and by the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can now say these things yeah. to you. Yeah. So you're, in your first or your second sermon, you were told that you said the word you too much. Yeah. Now you continue to say the word you yeah. a lot. Yeah. And do you think the difference is, does it have to do with you being an ordained minister now? Is that is that yeah. a view of it? Or are you just handling, handling it correctly? Probably a little bit of both. Okay. I, it's probably more of the latter. I, w- I was a jerk, and okay. I'm less of a mm-hmm. jerk. Mm-hmm. I like to... Hope I'm less of a jerk. Yeah. That may not be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you dial it back on Sunday mornings. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm much nicer now. Uh, there's a way in which I was doing it then, in which I was saying you, in, in, I don't know how else to say this, in order to gain a response from folks. So I was almost aiming for frustration. Okay. Um, as opposed to simply saying something like this. Uh, listen, this is what, if you say, I have Jesus say, talking to the Pharisees. And Jesus says something against the Pharisees. And if I look at the congregation and I look out and I say, 
there's a Pharisaical spirit here. If I just say, hey, Pharisees are bad things. We shouldn't act like Pharisees. Uh-huh. I, haven't, I haven't preached anything. Hmm. I've just taught yeah. the bad part about Pharisees. Yeah. But if I stand up there and I say, you guys, look, this is the problem with Pharisees. Here's where it's actually manifesting itself in our congregation. And so you guys are responsible for it. Wow. And you say it this way. People are now the law. Uh, we, the law has now done its job and cut right at them. Mm-hmm. And there's no dodging it. You can't mm-hmm. get around it. Um, you know that you've had the experience, I'm sure, where you preach and someone leaves and they say, well, pastor, I know someone who needs to hear that. Sure. Yeah. Um, my goal every Sunday is to never hear that phrase, mm-hmm. that nobody can leave without saying, that was at me. Wow. That, that one was on me. Uh and but, but see, now this becomes tricky for the preacher, right? Because if I look out of the congregation and I say, there's a spirit of Pharisaism here, that's not going to be true of everybody. Yeah. So how do you yeah. preach that to those who need to hear it while at the same time not you know snuffing out the smoldering wick and see the other people there who are suffering because of the Pharisaism? Yeah, good say, point. Now, now for you. Because 1517 is for those that are hurt by the church. That's right. That's right. And you don't want to then nope. hurt people as the church. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And it's, it's remarkable. This is where... Becoming a preacher gets scary because I remember preaching this once, you know, preaching like the law, and I was aiming it at one person, not one person, but I was aiming it at an, a group of people who had this particular sin, and none of them got that. Mm. But the person who was in the church who I thought, boy, I hope they don't hear it yeah. this way, yeah. they were the ones who called and said, Pastor, I'm really worried about what you said. And, and so then you go, okay. I actually told her, I said, I had a feeling you would call. That part wasn't yours. This was the part that was yours. Yeah. And then handing them the goods, giving them the good news of, of the forgiveness in Christ. Um, but even then, if all people, even if the Pharisee leaves thinking that there's no forgiveness for them, mm-hmm. you haven't done your job. Mm-hmm. The job is to both convict and to comfort, to, to, to kill and make alive. Um, and, that's, and that's not just a Lutheran distinctive. I mean, that's what... The mother of our Lord, she sings about that in the Magnificat. This is what God does. He kills mm. and he makes alive. Mm. And, and that's really the preacher's job, to kill and make alive, to, to, to see sin and not massage it and not coddle it, but yeah. attack it. I mean, that's what the prophets do. The prophets, I'm reading Isaiah right now for my devotions. That's like a terrifying book at times. Yeah. But it's remarkable like how <clears throat> terrifying it is. And then suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, we're all toast. And then God says, but... Yeah. And then there's these just comforting verses of hope and mercy and grace and forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus that um, they're just full of joy. And so it, it's sort of the – you do both with that. Yeah. It's, yeah. So that was your first one. And it seems that was like my first sermon. Yeah, we're, well, we're it was com- all my first sermon. Yeah, so we're coming up on on the anniversary of your first sermon because it's it's nearly Christmas Maybe now. Maybe so. That would have – gosh. Do you know what year it was? Do you remember what years? No. It would have been – 2000, 2001, something like that. Uh, 2002. Okay. Yeah, it was 2002. All right, maybe 18 years ago. 18 years I Eight, preached my first sermon. Wow. That's, I'm old. Your 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 sermon career could go out and buy some cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's old enough to vote and buy cigarettes. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how, how have you grown in these, uh, you know, nearly 18 years? Yeah. It's nearly legal. <laughs> I think... I don't know. I hope I've gotten better. My sermons have gotten shorter. Okay. Um, my old, my, I was looking back at some of my first preaching when I was first a pastor. And boy, my, my first congregation was very kind because those are rough, man. They're, they're, it's just you need to know how smart I am. There's so much yeah. arrogance in, yeah. in them. Um, now I think I've, I've realized a couple of things, at least lately these are the things I'm hoping I'm realizing. 
my job is to preach the text, which in a certain sense means get out of the way of the text. Um, I don't have to defend mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. I think when I first became a preacher mm-hmm. and you'd get a very difficult passage, you'd sort of say, okay, here's what it doesn't mean. And you know, Jesus isn't saying this. And, you know, he doesn't say mm-hmm. that. Um, sometimes Jesus says things offensively to be offensive. Yeah, right? yeah. Sometimes Paul is trying to convict his hearers with this. Or um, we do it. So I would see that being said, I think we tend to do it a lot more the opposite way where you have something will be the gospel will just be so clear in a text. Uh, there's nothing you have to do to be saved. It's all by God's grace alone. Yeah. Your sins are completely forgiven because the shed blood of Christ. And then immediately the preacher comes in and says, "But or yeah, hey, hold but, on, yeah. let me uh, but let me qualify it so you don't think that you're that free or mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. forgiven." And I think what I've begun to realize more and more is just let the text speak for itself, and it will set people free where mm-hmm. it needs to set them free, and it will convict where it needs to convict. And the Holy Spirit, He's probably He's been doing it. At, I think 19 years, so he's been doing it longer than me anyhow. He knows how to handle the passage. So what also that means is lately, I need, I've i not doctored my sermons up a whole lot, uh, which means I haven't been using a lot of illustrations, Okay, which is something I need to go back to. I, I've not done a great job with that recently. Um, sometimes illustrations can be an incredible gift. Sometimes they can be... Even. People leave remembering the illustration and not Certainly. The, the message. Certainly. Um I've, so I've gotten away from that. But I'm, I'm trying to let the texts speak for themselves and not get in the way of it. Yeah. Um, so that's not the reason why your sermons are shorter, that you've cut out all the no, illustrations. No, <laughs> uh, It's because of COVID and we're... Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, probably that's, why. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why they're shorter. Okay. I, I don't know. Um, and by shorter, I mean they've gone from like 23 minutes to... 18 minutes. They're not like, they're not like gone from 45 minutes to half an hour or okay. something like this. They're, they're just, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm also trying to have them become less formulaic. Okay. Um, and I think that's a trap a lot of preachers get into as well. Um, well, I've only heard two of your sermons and uh-huh. they sounded different. So oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. That's very good. <laughs> There's only um, two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um, okay. So like, is there anything that you know now that you, you wish you knew then? Yes, yes. Uh, I wish I knew how much people actually believed this stuff. Um, when you're in seminary, mm-hmm. the joy of seminary is you get to argue everything, mm-hmm. right? And you and you have fun with it, and you debate, and you yeah. and it's and it's really an enjoyable thing. And so you'll say things provocatively for the sake of being provocative. Okay. Um, that's not what you should be doing in the pulpit, and and you learn that kind of the hard yeah. way. Um, that when you preach a certain topic or you preach a certain thing, um, people are going to take it to heart, which is because they're faithful and uh, they believe right, it's God's word. Right, right. Um, it's not a topic to be debated. It is actually what the Lord is saying. And you have to take that with utmost seriousness. And I don't think early on I took it as seriously as I should. Okay. Um, it, I enjoyed argument. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that's... There's a place for it. It's not the pulpit. Sure. Yeah. The pulpit is not a yeah. conversation, a debate, an opinion promoting spot it is the place to just to hand over what god has to say yeah, yeah. and not to say things in like the the, the most shocking way possible yeah or the most abrasive yeah you know which which is actually you know correct you know you could say it, the, the truth could be said in an abrasive way mm-hmm. or shocking way but that's not really the place for it no no uh unless from time to time maybe unless the text calls for it yeah. right so like if you're preaching through galatians or you, you're preaching through. You're preaching through John, right? I am. So the Lord Jesus says, He says, uh, 
you are children of the devil. Yeah. Like he says this to the Pharisees. If that's how he's speaking, you need to speak that way, but only because Christ is doing it that way, not because you're trying to be like shock jock preacher, yeah, right? right. Um, yeah. uh, one of the great one of the great preachers that I, I've learned a lot from, I think Scott talked about him when he was on your podcast, Gerhard Ferdy, he uses this phrase. Now, Ferdy's got a lot of issues, but one of the things he says that I think is very helpful uh, is that you just do the text to your hearers. So if the text mm. is provocative, mm. you are now to be provocative because this is what the, you know, Paul in Galatians says, I wish these uh, people promoting circumcision would cut themselves off completely. Well, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a circumcision pun. Mm-hmm. You got to be very delicate with that in the pulpit, but that is to say you do have this sort of, listen, if I need to be aggressive in this text, I'm going to be aggressive. Yeah. Um, and if I'm going to be too comforting in this text, I'm going to be too comforting because mm. that's what I'm called to mm. do. Let mm. the text do what the text does. Um, um, and, I, and that's something I think that is uh, I've learned along the way is is you if the text is aggressive it's okay to be aggressive but you don't need to you don't need to be the reason people are offended sure the yes. gospel can be very offensive in itself you let the gospel offend you don't need to be the one provoking it I used to listen to a lot to um, Mark Driscoll sure yeah of course I'm I'm thinking of him as well yeah and he was I actually think he did a lot of good things and I don't want to come down too hard on him. And I don't know if we should talk about someone on a podcast, but this is something very public. So he would preach in such a way against certain sins in a very aggressive manner. And I decided, you know, 28 years old, and I'm like, I should do the same thing. And I I think I got up one Sunday and called everyone in the church a pervert or something like this. And I still, I feel ashamed for doing it. And I think listening to Driscoll, I think he feels ashamed for some of those things too. And when I was 28, I did the same thing (laughs) and I feel the same way. Yes. (laughs) He's like, who do you... What you, but see, because that's not what the text was doing. And it doesn't actually help. Yeah. It doesn't actually, if you're trying, when you preach the law, your goal is not to bring someone to shame. Your goal is to convict them so they recognize their need for a savior. And if all you've done is insult them, you've not actually preached the law. You've just mm-hmm. insulted them. Mm-hmm. The goal of preaching the law of God is to get people so they say, what do, I got nothing else. Where do I go? I believe, help my unbelief, something like this. And then yeah. you show up with Christ and you bring the comfort and the mercy and the forgiveness um, and you set them free. Uh, but if you just, if people leave and they just go, Ash thinks I'm a pervert. Wow. Like you haven't preached the word of God. You've just yeah. been a jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I had a lot of shame for some of that stuff. But um, anyhow. Yeah. And, you know, some people probably weren't perverts. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then, right. and, then and, 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 you know, then it's like, well, well, Hmm. What he says is not applicable to me. Right. Or they become Pharisees and they say, hey, I'm not that guy. Yeah. I'm not doing what he's against. I'm better than the rest of them. Yes. Um, and, and so now you've not, you've just bolstered up their pride yeah. and, and taken the focus completely off of the Lord. Yeah. Completely away from Christ. Um, and I think ultimately that's all preaching should be is just. This Sunday, I'm preaching John the Baptist, and who are you? I'm not. I'm just. He points to Jesus constantly, right. constantly pointing yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. Um, preaching is nothing more than being John's finger and pointing to the coming of Christ. Wow. Um, so, did you make that up? No, I'm pretty oh. sure I stole it from Luther. <laughs> okay, I meant yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that, that's some great. Yeah, I, I, thank you for kind of bringing us into your story, yeah. and you yeah. know, I, I kind of agree with some of those things experientially. You know, again, to my shame, um, I think some of it too is you know. I remember when he was kind of, you know, trending or, yeah, you know, yeah. just listening and thinking, man, like, 
he's making preaching cool. Yeah. And and I want to be cool. Yeah, right. And and <laughs> and he can do that and and his church blows up, you know. And so you, you try some of these things and turns out like whether it's I don't want to call it an anointing or whatever or or a specific cultural zeitgeist yep. or all these things where it kind of worked. Yep, for him. For him. For a while. Yep. Not forever. Did you ever see there's a great uh YouTube clip of uh of another uh, Reformed Baptist guy, uh, Matt Chandler, and he has a sermon to young preachers, and he's—I think the title of it is something like "You're not Mark Driscoll." Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> he kind of lays it out. He's like, "Look, he can do that. You can't do that. He hmm. says, I can't do that." Yeah, yeah. Um, the Lord's done something with that guy that you're—that's not your. And, and I think that's really an important thing for preachers, especially with celebrity preachers mm-hmm. and the sort of the sort of ethos we have right now in the church, like. We don't need any more celebrities. We need pastors yeah. to just love their congregations. And so don't be afraid to just preach what you think the Lord is giving you to preach. Preach the text and be yourself. You don't have to be something else. Even mm. if, and this is the great temptation, even when the congregation's asking you to do it. Uh, you know, that's yeah. the hard part. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, that's a whole other conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sure is. And you know, we've never we've never mentioned him, I don't think, on this podcast. Okay. Although he's he's been a large influence on, on so many of us. Sure. Sure. But, uh, you know, again, for better or for worse, and I think we've, yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to keep on talking. No, it's good. No, let's keep moving. Yeah, <laughs> Hey, so sorry. what's your weekly rhythm look like? So Sunday's coming. You said you were, you were working on your, your John the Baptist sermon mm-hmm. today. Yep. And so today is uh, Wednesday. Will you finish it by today? I will have it written tomorrow. Okay. So um, if my sermon's not written by Thursday, I am in not in good shape. Yeah, um, yeah. So what, what I will do is on... Sunday night, so since I started doing the Craft of Preaching website, uh, Sunday night I'm looking over the texts, I'm analyzing everything we're putting hmm. together. Okay. So I'm getting ready for the next week. Uh, but I don't I don't start thinking about my next sermon until Sunday morning is over. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't go there. Sure. So Sunday morning ends, now I'm thinking about next week. Yeah. Um, uh, and so then Monday morning, uh, my associate pastor and I sit down and we, we translate the texts together. We work through the Greek. Uh, I'm sure one day we'll try the Hebrew and fail miserably. Uh, but we, we, we muddle our way through the Greek. Yes. Uh, then what I do is Tuesday or Wednesday, I break down all the contexts I need to be aware of. So what's the textual context? What is the uh, uh, congregation going through this week? What's going on in the news mm, this week? Mm. Uh, what's going on in... Um, um, there's one other context I look at. Oh, uh, what, what have we been preaching uh, so if you're in the lectionary series, what season are we in? Are yeah. we in Advent, regular time? What are we in? And I take all those things into consideration as I put the sermon together. Then as I do my home visits um, or hospital calls or whatever, that text typically is what I'm going to be reading for the devotion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it won't because it's just not helpful. Okay. Um, it, it would be, why are we talking about this? But a lot of times I've found, as I started this practice, the people at home who can't come to church really appreciate it because they're now a part of what the whole congregation is, is receiving the mm-hmm. same word uh, that week. Uh, so then on Wednesday, so I try and do all that stuff throughout the week. Uh, Thursday morning, I have set aside to write my sermon, and that's pretty much locked down, working through the text. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm looking for illustrations, I'll kind of dig around the internet for that. But usually I, I find, I do a better job if I can find a structure I want to give to the text, and then I can kind of fill in how I want to preach it. Um, we have a great guy who writes for our site. His name is David Schmidt. And on the concordiatheology.org website, he has sermon structure options, um, which can be very helpful in, in organizing a text and proclaiming it in a particular way. Yeah. 
Um, so if you're preaching, say, a proverb, yes, you're going to structure that sermon differently than if you're preaching a miracle narrative mm-hmm. or something like okay. this. And so he's got some helpful guidance on that. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at those things. Hmm. Um, and then when I get to the point of writing it, I just find an old one and use that, and that's how it ends up. <laughs> uh, change the names and it's fine. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. So you, you said earlier that you, you don't want your sermons to be formulaic. Right. But yet you go to concordia.edu right. to look at formulas. Uh, get different types of formulas, okay. uh, different types of uh, structure. Yeah. So, for example, uh, today is a Wednesday. We recorded our service because of the COVID stuff. We're recording them online. Um, the, my associate pastor preached just a masterful sermon. It was on it was on John the Baptist and the coming of the light, and how John's always pointing to the light. Mm. And he weaved throughout the story of John pointing to the coming of Jesus. He weaved in a story about him on a in a uh, in his car one night at one in the morning, in the middle of nowhere, running out of gas. Yeah. And he's looking for light and uh, what sort of happened along the way to get him there. And it was just a very helpful sort of an, an analogy to bring you through the text so that by the end, you're not, really, you weren't thinking about the car analogy, but you're thinking, you know, the anxiety that the people were feeling when they came to John the Baptist, I can connect with that. The whole thing, you're like, are we going to get to a gas station? Mm -hmm. Just like when they're asking John the Baptist, who are you? The whole thing is, are are we ever going to get to an answer from John? And also... Are we ever going to get to this Messiah who yeah. he's promising? Wow. Um, he weaved it in and out. And so it, this is a, cer- a certain style of preaching, uh, a certain structure for a sermon, I should say, um, that was really effective for yeah. that particular text. Yeah, um, It was a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, sometimes I find narrative preaching a lot easier because you can come in and out of the story. Mm. So you can say, so Jesus is here. Now here's uh, application for us. And right. you, in and, you hop in and out. Yeah. For the Lutheran, though, uh, we have uh, a law gospel theology. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a there's a danger in the formula where you say we start with the bad news and we end with the good news. Okay. Law gospel, mm-hmm. or even worse, you go law gospel law, and we call it the gospel sandwich. And so you have mm-hmm. law, then good news, but now you'd better do something or else. And everyone leaves nervous. Did the gospel really mean what it said? Um, what we want is for however we preach, whether it's with a structure or apart from a structure, just going through the text or whatever, is the gospel predominating? Are people being set free? Uh, is there hope and mercy and forgiveness for them in Christ? Yeah. And are we delivering that to them so that they hear it? As opposed to, boy, that was a creative sermon. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's the danger when you yeah. start getting into um, uh, sermon structures, okay. um, that you start becoming more caught up in the creativity of it than the message. But... Every preacher has it, whether you do expository preaching or whatever. Every preacher has this niche they'll fall into so that the people in the pew can say, or the chair or whatever, they can say, I already know where it's going. Yeah. I know where we're going to land. Yeah. Um, and and you want to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Russell from, from my church, he, okay. he told me years ago, he says, you know what? I love that bit at the end where you talk about Jesus and the good news of the gospel. And and part of me was like, oh, that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. But then part of me is like, oh, is it so is it so predictable? Yeah. But I mean, at right. the same time too, like, wouldn't you want to end on the gospel? And that's exactly that's so hundred percent. It right. kind of is predictable, yep. and that's kind of okay. What do you? I agree with that hundred yeah. percent. So like, uh, uh, one of the great. I'm sorry, I've dropped a lot of resources, but one of the great books we have in the Lutheran world is, is Law and Gospel by a guy named C.F.W. Walther. And it's got some strong points to it, some weak points to it. But one of the things he says in that is um, 
You have not properly preached a sermon. You haven't properly distinguished law and gospel if you haven't let the gospel have the ultimate word of the okay. text. Okay. And, and whether it's the last word mm. or not, if people leave thinking that somehow their salvation depends upon them yeah. or somehow Christ is insufficient yeah. uh, or yeah. um, if they leave thinking more about themselves and they leave thinking about the crucified and risen and reigning Lord, um, you haven't done your job. Okay. Now, to your point... This is where the formula becomes helpful because if the people are saying, I know where we're going yeah. and we're going to get to Jesus, right. um, that's actually what they needed all week. And in this way, your sermon almost becomes sort of a, 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 a distillation of what they've been through all week because all week they've been hearing laws, yeah. they've been hearing rules, they've been hearing condemnation, especially right now. Mm-hmm. How masked are you? Uh, uh, what is your opinion on Trump or Biden? And, and you're just condemned for everything and everywhere you go. And they're coming to church saying... We have nowhere else to go. You right. have the words of eternal life. Yeah. And so if you don't get me to Jesus, I have a right to be upset about it, right? And so even then, the formula might be comforting in that way. I just don't want people to be lulled to sleep. That's my sure, concern. Sure, sure. So I just yell louder. That's my other <laughs> that's my other trick, preachers. Like the louder you get, people stay awake. Yeah, yeah. and there's always the old uh, bang the bang, pulpit Bang trick. on the pulpit, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, functionally, do you end with the gospel each I, time or... I mean, yeah. uh, you made the distinction, or some, the person you quoted, the gospel should be ultimate. Right. Now, he doesn't necessarily mean final, Yeah. yeah. But, it, but it is chief. Correct. Yeah, I think that's the right way of saying it. Uh, predominant is maybe what he says specifically. Mm, okay. the, the, the gospel should predominate. Um, I try to end every sermon with a gospel word, a mm-hmm. word, and this is for you. Yeah. Jesus forgives you your sins. Um even so, if I have this text, like say you're going through Paul's letters and you're in the, the, the second half where it's all exhortation, um, and there's just not a lot of narrative of what Jesus has done for us, it's all kind of ex- like, uh, be joyful, be happy, you yeah. know, all these things. Um, I'll say something like this at the end of each sermon. After all, isn't this what the Lord Christ has done for you? Okay. So Jesus says, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And at the end of that sermon, I would say, um, after all, isn't this what Christ has done for you? Even when you're not loving your neighbor as well as you should, even when uh, uh, your perfection falls short of what Christ has called you to be, um, he is yet gracious and merciful even to you. Yeah. Uh, that His blood was shed for that sin. So that you leave and you don't leave thinking, well, I don't have to love my neighbor now, I'm forgiven. Mm. But at the same time, uh, you also don't leave thinking, I'll only be forgiven and loved by Jesus if I do this. Um, we want to leave people with without the condition of uh, my my week is now, my, my relationship with Jesus is now dependent on how well I pull off this sure. sermon this week. Sure. Um, no, your, your relationship with Jesus is dependent on Jesus mm. and his death and his resurrection and his blood shed for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you don't leave with that from the sermon, you haven't gotten a sermon, you've got a morality lecture yeah, from the a, Bible. A TED Talk, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I'm I'm happy to hear those even those distinctions that are there. Like in in my own kind of church network, you know, Expositors Collective, we are really pushing, you know, like not just expositional preaching, but like Christ-centered expositional yes, preaching. Yes. And and some people who are unfamiliar or skeptical of Christ-centered preaching, you know, I, I've heard this parody of of gospel-centered preaching or, or whatever you want to you want to call it. But you know, the Bible says that you shouldn't steal. 
but we all know that we're thieves at heart. Yeah. But Christ forgives thieves, and you know he he was the non-thief on our place in the cross, mm-hmm. or he you know so that <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. so just you know love love Jesus, you know. Yeah. And and they're saying that you kind of mute the imperative. Right. That at the end of the day, you don't really say don't steal. Right. Um, but you just say like you know Christ didn't steal on our behalf. But was punished as if he stole, yeah, so that we yeah. could be forgiven. That's uh, that's called Lutheran preaching. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> uh, that's so funny. So this guy David Schmidt, he does this, and in, in, he was talking about sermon structures, and he's like, uh, he broke a sermon down, and that's really like it was this Concordia's pulpit stuff yeah. we sent out, and this yeah. is what it was. It was like, Jesus says, "Don't steal," but we all know we steal in our hearts. Uh-huh. So uh, Jesus died for us anyways, or something. Yes. And you get to the end, and this is what I was talking about earlier. Where I'm beginning to learn, like, look, you got to get out of the way of the text. The text says don't steal. So it's actually saying don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he means it. Yeah. And this is why then. But but you have to understand that as soon as you say that, you've not enabled anybody to stop stealing. Mm-hmm. You don't need to tell thieves don't steal. Yeah. They're not like, oh, wait, that's against the rules. Like, they know. Sure, sure. Um, further... Uh, yeah, sometimes you need you now. Sometimes you need to call some things out. I mean, in our culture now, um, if you speak out against particular sin, I don't know, like now uh, greed or, or some sexual sin or something like this, you yeah. need to call it out, and people will be like, oh, "I got a great example." I had a couple once who um, <laughs> they moved in together before they got married, okay, and we're sitting down for their marital counseling, and yeah. I said, "Hey, uh, you know that that's a sin," and they said wait, we can't do this? Hmm. And I said, no. And they, they were great. They said, okay. Really? Then we're, then like, well, they said, let's get married next weekend. I'm like, well, okay. So <laughs> um, that's a long story. But they, but the point is some people don't know the law and you need to open their eyes to their yes, sins. Yes, But for a lot of folks, they're not going to, like when you come in with the law and say, here's Paul's exhortation to do something, he does mean it. He absolutely yeah, means it. Right, right. But you need to understand that when you preach that, it's going to accuse so some people are going to hear it, and it's not. Or let me say it this way: it's not going to empower them to stop it. Um, the law doesn't empower us to do anything; it is just threatens us. Mm. Um, um, what's going to empower them is to say, "Listen, uh, you have a Lord who has um, who has bound the strong man and stolen you out of uh, the grips of Satan and brought you into His marvelous kingdom, and He's promised you." That he will give you daily bread. And he has promised you that he will, um, if he takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, he's going to be taking care of you. He's going to yeah. provide for you. Now, uh, he does this for you. So you don't need to steal anymore because the Lord Christ is going to provide for you. Uh, and if that convicts them and they say, I don't know what to do. I can't seem to stop. I've got no hope. Look, first, my job here is to announce to you, your sins are forgiven in the name of Christ. And that's in the said and by the command, I deliver to you the forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, as the church, then we're going to help you. Yeah. We're going to give you some food. We're right. going to help you stop stealing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's this whole, sort of almost a gospel act that needs to come around the person who is hearing it. So that the goal here is not just the event of what do they hear, but how are we shaping their life so that they're free from stealing? Mm-hmm. The gospel will predominate and create the reality that they don't have to steal any longer. Just saying "don't steal" doesn't stop anyone from doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you bringing in. I guess the because this is a preaching podcast. We focus right. on preaching and sermons and personal study and public proclamation of God's yeah. word. That's you know. But you're, you're saying that there's not a sermon in the world 
well, maybe there is, but you know, that's going to instantly change someone from a thief to a contributing member of the, con- of the community, you know, right, like right. let the thief no longer steal, but work hard with his hands so yeah. he can have something to share as Paul says. But like, I love how you included the, the church community mm-hmm. to help that happen, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of gospeling them. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the preaching should be a, a shaping event. Yeah. Um, uh, it should be formative uh, so that it creates a new reality for you. God creates by speaking words. This is what he does. Mm, so if he's given preachers words, they're yeah. going to create. They're yeah. going to create faith. They're going to yeah. create hope. They're going to create conviction. And they're going to create community that lives in a particular way. And so the preaching should enable, it, it should be able to say, yeah, I mean, you're not going to have the sinner's bench every Sunday like, preacher, I ain't, I ain't drinking or stealing anymore after that sermon. And then next week they show up in a new <laughs> Benz and they're drunk, right? Like It's yeah, this kind yeah. of... Uh, You've got to recognize the depth of sinful nature, but you also got to recognize the only power is in the gospel. Right. And it's it's the <clears throat> consistent, long-term preaching of the gospel um, that really does change and bring hope. Yes. Um, and, and change people's lives, I think. Yeah, and and we're, we're sermon fans, again, you know, yeah. and we want to get better at our sermons, but then realizing, yeah, there's these these two other factors. Like, there's the power of God yep. that is going to change a life, yep. not a good sermon. And then on the other hand, like you said, there's that church community right. that, that plays a part as well. But we would say, I, just to, I mean, I, I think we would say it this way too, that that sermon is where the power of God is working. Okay. So you don't want to separate God's power from the proclamation of the word. He's okay. going to choose to use that message to start his work on that heart. Okay. Um, it's not just going to zap uh, folks out of the air or something like this. Though, I think sometimes, you know, I think sometimes thieves show up, thieves in general, mm-hmm. agents, sinners show up. Yes, yes. And they're there because something just zapped them. Yeah. That they were like, this is wrong. I can't take this anymore. Something's not right. Yeah. And for some reason, I think this is where I need to be. And um, and that's where if you just start piling on them about more sin, they're like, well, I guess I knew that already. But mm-hmm. if you come in and say, hey, hey. There's someone who actually already paid for that. Yeah. Like he's not holding that against you any longer. And in fact, he is setting you free to belong to him strictly by his love. That's something they've never heard before. They're just not finding that anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you have the job to uh, uh, deliver the goods. Yes. Deliver as, the goods. That's as, right. As Scott, Scott Keith was saying. That's right. So delivering the goods means presenting the good news. Yeah. That... Handing Jesus over to people. So here's... So, we, 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 we talk about first order and second order proclamation. So there's description and there's proclamation. I'd like to describe it this way. There is bringing Jesus out into a cage onto the stage and saying, look, at there's Jesus. He does amazing things. What a nice guy Jesus is. He dies. He rises. He's very nice. Uh, and then leaving him in the cage. Uh, and so everyone looks up there and says, well, that was an interesting oratory about Jesus. Then there's opening the cage and letting him out. And that's when you say, and that death is yours. Um, he has actually sent me here um, in his stead to announce to you, you're forgiven. And, and so we, we'll read something like John chapter 20 where Jesus says, uh, if you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. And so we'll stand up there and say, this is what Jesus said. So in his stead and by his command, I declare you, you're forgiven. I forgive you all of your sins. Um, now, it's not because I just turned into Jesus. Though mm-hmm. a lot of people think that. I'm a very good preacher. Uh, that was a joke. Sarcasm can't be read over the microphone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that is to say, like when you're coming to church, yeah. you're actually in, you're entering into a place where God is coming for you. Now He's going to put Himself in words. He's going to put Himself in sacraments. He's going to put Himself in this stuff that where He's kind of hidden. 
But there he's let loose. And this is when I say the preacher just has to get out of the way. You speak his word and let it, let the spirit do what he will. Yeah. Um, um, and you'll notice this all the time. You'll preach a sermon and someone will say, pastor, when you said this today, it was just, it got me. And I'm like, man, I didn't say that today. <laughs> like okay. you heard something I didn't say. Spirit used my words in a particular way. But the handing over the goods simply means you speak what Jesus has to say. You give them the forgiveness of their sins. You promise them the resurrection of everlasting life. You you make the promises that God has made to them in the scriptures. That's what I think we mean by that. Does that yeah. make sense? Am I yeah, clear it, on it? Yeah, there? it does. Yeah. As as a non-Lutheran, I'm not uh, I, totally tracking. Sure, but, sure. Um, and I, I spoke with, you know, Scott about this mm-hmm. in the previous thing. Uh, I, I'm more, f- I guess, comfortable or it feels more at home to me mm-hmm. with like a like a Reformed or Calvinistic or Presbyterian thing sure. that speaks about, you know, God forgives, which which I know that, you know, um, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom uh, I'm the first ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, if, and if you're a sinner and if you, you know, confess your need, then God forgives you. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm just more comfortable with that. Yeah. However, I'm maybe in process, maybe it's just a... Yeah, yeah. Um, y- yeah, you nod vigorously when I say I'm just in progress. I don't agree with you yet, yeah, so... Yeah. You'll get there. If not, if, what was, I was like you once. If not now, when you're in heaven. Um, <laughs> we'll all be Lutherans. <laughs> we'll all be Lutherans. What's the old joke? Uh, Lutheran dies, goes to heaven. A guy dies, goes to heaven, he's walking through heaven, and he looks over, and there's all these people singing and praising and raising their hands, and he yes. says to Peter, says, who's that over there? And he goes, oh, those are the, uh, those are the, uh, uh, those are the Pentecostals. Like, they're thrilled to be here. They're yeah. amen and praising yeah. God and speaking in tongues. They go on further, and he hears, amen, amen. He says, who's that? He goes, oh, that's the Baptists. They're, uh, they're just so happy to see Jesus and be here. And he walks by, and Peter grabs him and says, shh, now be quiet. He goes, why? What's that? He goes, see that church over there? That's the Lutherans. They think they're the only ones here. It's a great line. All right. So anyways, um, what was the question? <laughs> uh, oh, we're tracking That I will absolution. eventually, yeah. so, perhaps. So all we're doing here, I don't want this to sound like, it, it does sound awkward. And I remember in college, we had big arguments about, can the pastor say, I forgive you your sins? Now, sure. we, yeah. in, the, in our Lutheran theology, we'll say, well, anybody can say it. Because Christ has given the keys to the kingdom to the church. Mm-hmm. So whoever's sins you bind, they're bound, and whoever you loose, they're loosened. Um, the catchphrase we have for this is it's the mutual conversation and consolation of the brothers and sisters. Okay. That, the, the, uh, that if I go to any of my friends, pastor or not, and I say, it's been rough and I need some forgiveness, they can say, Jesus has me here to say your sins are forgiven. Oh. And just say it straight out like that. Um, and it's yours. I think this is where uh, we we have a a theology of a universal atonement. That is, Christ died for everyone. So I don't have to worry about whether or not he died for you. I know he did Mm. um, because he died for the whole world. Um, Now, if someone comes to me and says, you know what? I just knocked off that 7-Eleven, and I'm pretty proud of it. Sure. Uh, You're going to say, there's no forgiveness for you Mm. uh, because you have rejected God and you have harmed his people. And that then, but the the goal of that comment is not to say there's never forgiveness for you, but in the set and by the command of Christ, I have to tell you that that is a sin and you are condemned because of it. Uh, Which I don't think, which really troubles me. I don't think any preacher has a problem saying that, but for some reason we have a problem saying the forgiveness part. Wow. Nobody has a problem saying uh, everyone in this room is a sinner. Uh, and I condemn you for your sins. But 
as soon as someone says, I forgive you for your sins, now people get anxious and nervous. Mm. And mm. whereas the words out of Christ's mouth <laughs> to the wretched disciples who are in no position to be uh, repentant or yeah, sorrowful, yeah. they're in the upper room hiding for fear and unbelief, and Jesus comes, first words out of his mouth are, peace be with you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and so that peace be with you uh, echoes in the words of the preacher. And that's what we believe we're actually doing when we announce the absolution or say something like that. Okay. Does that make sense? It, it, yeah. it does. It okay. does. And see, I had some, you know, some notes coming into here and I under absolution uh-huh. question mark. Uh, yeah. I, I said, you know, what about unregenerate church members? So, so this is an interesting conversation. Uh, in the Lutheran church, we believe in baptismal regeneration. So if you're baptized, I can say to you with no, in no, in no uncertain terms, um, the Lord Jesus has made you his own. Okay. Um, because baptism, because we believe the promise is in the word and it's in the sacrament. So yeah. um, 1 Peter 3, baptism now saves you. We'll say, okay, if someone's baptized, yes. Jesus did that to him. And so I can say to them, here's this. Now, if I have someone in the church uh, where we differ from Calvinists, for example, is we think you can walk away from that thing, that you can actually reject your faith. And okay. so if I have someone in the church who is baptized yeah. and having an affair... I can say to them, uh, you are putting yourself in a position to walk away from the Lord. You are now sinning against Christ and his church and your spouse, uh, and and the Lord does not approve hmm. of that. Uh, and so let's talk about you repenting and, and okay. receiving some gospel. Um, and, I've, and I've been through this with people, and it's, it's remarkable um, that you're not saying, I'm withholding the gospel from you forever. But you're, what you're saying to him is essentially what Paul says, I've turned them over to Satan so that they would repent mm-hmm. and see their need mm-hmm. for forgiveness. Um, uh, so when you have someone living in that kind of sin, um, you have to be ready to come for it with the law. Okay. That's the that's where the law's role is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so like your, your Sunday declaration mm-hmm. of forgiveness, like yes. it's not like in Catholicism, it's what is ex operato ex operate operata. Yeah. Yes. That it, that it works. It because works. By virtue of the act. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and yours has, I don't Faith. want to say conditions or no condition. Yeah. It, there's not, it's not conditional like this. Once you're repentant enough. Then we'll forgive right, you because there's yeah. never enough repentance in your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is something like this. Um, uh, Christ Jesus died for you, and it's a promise, so it's yours. And you say, I don't believe it. Then I say, well, he did it anyways, right? Like, so, so the condition, in a sense, is faith, but even the faith is produced by the promise. Right. So this becomes mm-hmm. a real in-depth, complicated kind of conversation. But where does faith come from? Romans 10, faith comes through hearing the word, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Yeah. So if I say to you, um, uh, you're fa- you, you are forgiven, we actually believe that word creates the faith in their heart. Or if I say, you are a sinner, we believe that that word creates the knowledge of sin and the need for forgiveness, and so then that's where the repentance comes from. Okay. The, the word is always producing um, what it's seeking to produce. It, the word will accomplish its purposes. Mm. So I don't have to force somebody to feel bad. I just tell them that's wicked sin and Christ condemns it. Yeah. And then we believe that's going to produce in their hearts this longing for, wait, I thought I was forgiven. Well, you are for the sake of Christ. Um, but now let's talk about not doing that anymore. Okay. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm hearing, I'm hearing a lot of, I guess, yeah, consistency. Okay. There, there is Good. a consistent, you know, um, particularly like factoring in 
your understanding of, of baptismal regeneration. Yeah. Like, so th- there's a very, there's a consistent thing in there. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I'm not on board with all those, with all those presuppositions. Of course not. Yeah, no. but, but I, I see the consistency. But presuppositions are really crucial here. In our conversation in the Lutheran church is who's doing the doing, right? Uh, so if it's a law word, I'm going to be responsible for something. Mm-hmm. And if it's a gospel word, God's going to be responsible for accomplishing it. So when we're coming, when we're talking about forgiveness and salvation and, and grace and all of this, it's not conditional words because mm-hmm. that turns the gospel into a law yeah. and that brings nothing but hopelessness. Yeah. Um, I'll forgive you if is not the gospel. Um, um, but Christ died for your sins right. is a promise from the mouth of God himself. So that's gospel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We've gone a lot longer than we were going I'm to. I'm sorry. You, you got me talking long gospel, dude. I can do this forever. It's my favorite. All right. So um, good. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't want to keep you from, <laughs> from your uh, living nativity My living nativity building project. Yeah. My, my manual labor outside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe as just like a, as a farewell, like do you want to maybe just like you've been dropping a lot of like Lutheran books yeah. throughout this. You kind of like uh, – could you maybe just leave us with like some the best Lutheran writers on preaching? On preaching, okay. Yeah, maybe narrow it to to that. Because, oh gosh. Yeah, because you are a you're a mysterious bunch, and you have great things to say, and it's outside of much of uh, yeah. broader evangelicalisms. Yeah. We'd love to learn from you. Okay. Uh, uh, anything you get your hands on by Luther? Lu- there's uh, uh, Luther's shoot. I forget what it's called. Postles. P O S T I L S. Um, you can usually buy them in those like Christian book distributors. It's a whole series of books. Um, you can get them for like a hundred bucks. There's nine books in it or something. Okay. Uh, it's just his guidance for preachers of his day. Is that right? Um, here's how you preach through this text. It's very helpful. Um, I would always turn people to, uh, um, CFW Walther uh, has a book called law and gospel, which is very solid. Uh, one of our guys, John T. Pless, uh, has written a book based off of that called, um, Oh, I'm going to forget the name of it now. Dividing the Word of Truth? That's not it. Shoot. Can you, can I go look and see what, Handling the Word of Truth. That's what it's called. Handling okay. the Word of Truth. I apologize. <laughs> handling the Word of Truth is very good. Gustav. Don't, don't apologize to me. Apologize to you, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> uh, John Pless, sorry. Uh, Gustav Wingren, W-I-N-G-R-E-N, The Living Word is great. Okay. Uh, Gerhard Ferdy, Theology is for Proclamation. I will caveat that one by saying... Ferdy has a lot of great things to say about the event of preaching. Yeah. That it is it is the that all theology has the goal of being proclaimed to the hearer. Um, he's very bad in terms of uh, scriptural inspiration. Okay. Yeah, I, I have to qualify it because sure. your, your people will read it and they'll be like, "Good night." Uh, <laughs> just be yeah. aware of that. Is so, he the one who said that the preacher is a midwife and a hitman? No, that's Doctor Kolb, uh, okay. Robert Kolb. Okay. Um, Anything by Dr. Cole is good. He's a historian, so you're not going to find a lot of preaching by him. Boy, I'm, I'm running out of things, but there's so many good books. Hey, you've um, listed more Lutheran authors than I've ever heard. Yeah. The, <laughs> so. the other place to go is concordiatheology.org. Okay. Craft of Preaching, of course, at 1517. Of course. Uh, of course. That's the place to be. Um, and if, if anybody ever wants more, I've always got plenty more. Um, so. Okay. Well, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Bob. This has been... A delight. It's been a lot of fun for me. Absolute delight. This is 
Man, I, I got to interview people, interview people in person more often. It's a lot. <laughs> it's nice to this see is a lot better than Zoom. <laughs> human beings. This is really interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Thank you very much. Yep. And uh, the Lord be with you. Also with you. All right. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Uh, the Lord be with you as well. So here's the tidbit. All right. I promised you a tidbit at the beginning. Tidbit is the day after this. I had to go get a rapid COVID test because I was going to do some travel and uh, my test came back positive. So during this conversation, I accidentally may have given Bob COVID. So I had to go through and go through all my contacts from the past couple of days and phone them one by one. And uh, Bob very graciously heard the news that this... um, this interview could have come at a very high cost. But uh, he looked after himself and uh, did the isolation thing and, and everything's everything's fine. Here's just your friendly reminder to uh, wear a mask um, when you can or uh, keep track of your contacts because you never know what guests you're going to interview and you never know what you're going to infect them with. Okay, anyway, that's the public service announcement. and. Here's just the announcement. Um, next next Tuesday, um, we have uh, the audio from our webinar, which is coming out. So uh, Pastor Thomas Terry from Trinity Church Portland, um, he did a webinar for us earlier in December, and man, it was great. It was uh, really, truly from the heart, and the people that were uh, there live in the Zoom Um, were incredibly blessed. There's been some great conversations that have spun off after it. And now it's your chance to be able to listen in. So I'm going to leave you with a a clip. um, And really, I hope that you are already subscribed so that next Tuesday, this automatically comes into your inbox or your device. This is also a reminder for you to uh, join our Facebook group It's called Expositors Collective, Christ-focused, text-oriented Bible teachers, or something like that. I always forget what it's actually called, but search for it on Facebook. It's a private group. We discuss the episodes. We go deeper into these things. Um, And you want to talk about this episode, I'm sure, and you definitely are going to want to talk about next episode. Um, I'm going to leave you with the clip. Um, Thomas Terry speaking about uh, a very kind of dark and challenging experience that he went through and ways that we can learn from it. All right. I hope that this and next episode and our group and everything we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. We also had to rebuild the whole structure. We had no staff. No, we had no more preaching, teaching pastor. Um, so we had to figure out how do we gently care for our people, but then how do we rebuild from the ground up? So this was a very challenging and, and, and complicated situation for us. And so uh, really, there, there is nothing that prepares you for this. Pastors are never thinking about this reality. When, when everything is good and, you know, the church is growing and people are growing and people are becoming, you know, Christ, you're finding new people who are coming in, into the faith. People are being baptized. You just, you're only thinking about the good things. Um, and, and 
and and you should that those are great things but you're never really thinking what if our pastor has a moral failing and so it's just not even in your in your paradigm uh, and so you're not prepared for the the tanking of your church after a moral failure.